So James, we had a really cool interview today with Gary Liu of uh, Priority IS. I, I really found that intriguing. Um, in fact, it really opened my eyes to the whole, all the possibilities of uh, working with ISVs and VARs, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. And, you know, even the VARs, I think that's something that we've I, we've never really talked about, these mm-hmm. value-added resellers. I don't even, I honestly, as I was listening to it, the interview, I'm, like doing the interview, I'm thinking to myself, I bet there's a lot of people in our audience that don't even understand what a value-added reseller even is. Right. Um, and, you know, what it is versus an ISV. And so I think it's just a whole new area of opportunity. Um, I agree. So, and then what was the insider's report about today, Pat? Uh, the uh, emergence of QR codes, the mainstreaming of QR codes, as we yes. say, at the point of sale. Yes, love it. It's uh, it's so huge. I literally was just talking to John from Delish, who we interviewed recently, right, right before right. we did this. And he was talking about QR codes and how popular they become with what they're doing with their online ordering and everything. So it's um, every place, it's I think, topic. you know. Hot topic. And your uh, your questions from the field. I thought you had some really good insights there, James. Thanks. You know, well, it, we really try to tackle one of the main questions I get asked, especially by ISO owners, which is how do I get merchant services salespeople to sell software? You know, and right. I have a whole new training course coming out. I talk about that, but I really talk mainly about, you know, how to do this. How do we make this transition as an individual sales rep or a team to sell software? It's it's one of the big questions. And hopefully I had some good insights that'll that'll help our audience there as well. Yeah, I think you did, James. So let's get going. All right, here we go. Welcome to the Merchant Sales Podcast. Hey, everybody. Patty and I are here today with Gary Liu. Gary is the president at Priority IS. How are you doing today, Gary? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Doing good. Doing uh, good. Wonderful. Thank you. So I'm, I'm really excited about this conversation. Gary and I have known each other for a while. And Gary, really, you know, you have such an amazing uh, ISO that's focused on these integrations uh, with VARs and ISVs. And so we're going to talk about that today. But before we get there, Gary, I love your story about the industry and kind of how you got into it from the technology side. So if you wouldn't mind, share a little bit of your story and talk about how you ended up doing what you're doing now. Sure, sure. I'd love to. Thanks. I appreciate it. So uh, I'm a restaurant guy. I was a restaurant business in the 90s. And uh, shortly out of college, 1998, my then business partner and I created a restaurant point of sale system for fun. Now, I don't know <laughs> who does that kind of stuff for fun, but we yeah, did. That's, that is a new one on me, I have to say, Gary. I mean, I know a lot of people got into this field accidentally, but nobody I know has developed a point of sale system for fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I tell you, I wasn't the smart guy. Uh, he's the guy that did all the software writing and the coding and all that. Um, we decided to take it to market um, in, in 2002. And in 2002, between 2002 and 2009, we really grew the company. Uh, headquartered in Atlanta, that's where I'm from. We had offices in Chicago, Charlotte, New York, and Taipei, Taiwan. Uh, name of the company was called Hot Sauce POS, or the company's actually called Hot Sauce Technology. Or the product hot sauce POS. Per- perfect name for that industry. Yeah. 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 I love it. Uh, a lot of people complimented us on it. So, yes. Um, so, a couple of years into it, in 2004, I introduced the payments. Um, it was Heartland at the time, Mercury, uh, Link, which became WorldPay, which became FIS today, introduced the payments, wanting us to uh, refer payments business to them. And so we did. After a couple of months, we, seated, uh, we started to see recurring revenue, monthly income. This is new to us. Uh, along with that, though, came um, the reporting. Uh, I would call it the lack of reporting. They would give us a one-page report. It was a summary report. Right. had the merchant name, merchant ID. Here's how much volume they processed. Here's how much uh, gross revenue generated. And here's your 20 30 40% uh, referral fee or whatever it was back then, right? So that was an interesting concept because in our world, we would buy a $200 Epson printer and back then we sold it for $3.95. It was really easy to calculate income minus expense to figure out what revenues were. Right. But in the merchant world, that's not how it worked. So it's not that we didn't trust our providers. It's just we just want to make sure they're not doing funny math. And, you know, if whoever's keen in pricing, we're all human beings. So people right. make mistakes. Right. So whoever's keen in the pricing, they miss a decimal point. That's the difference between a penny and 10 cents or two basis points and 20 basis points. Right. Right. So fast forward a couple of years, uh, 2007, we learned to become our own ISO through the first data retail ISO program. Uh, I won't share those with you on this podcast. There were some uh, some hurdles there for sure. <laughs> but, uh, sure. <laughs> Every, everyone listening who knows what you're talking about That's is exactly like nodding right. their head as you're talking, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but in terms of reporting, they did rep- uh, provide better reporting. They provided an Excel spreadsheet that went all the way down to triple Z. Uh, but to my surprise, the largest merchant service provider in the U.S. at the time 
you couldn't reconcile every income item and every expense item to the penny mm -hmm. down an interchange level. Mm -hmm. They had uh, interchange grouped in one category. So you didn't know how many rewards two cards a particular merchant right. did last month. Right. They had another bucket of uh, expenses uh, called non-itemized expenses that put in a bucket the way they charge like the merchant portal stamps and some miscellaneous stuff. Right. And you couldn't tie it back to the MID. So that was interesting. So uh, in 2008, Met Priority Payment Systems, uh, they were the first to have a, uh, a platform that you can reconcile every income item, every expense item and, see, and do the math, right? Math doesn't lie. Math is math. Right. Uh, you can match everything to the penny. Uh, so I really liked what they had. Oh, nine, I left the point of sale business. And for the last 12 years, uh, we work with probably about up, closing in on 200 partners all over the U.S. now, really helping some of these ISVs and bars become their own ISO um, and just uh, focusing on just helping these software companies out based on our integrated uh, payments, our experience, um, just our knowledge. A lot of our team members come from point of sale or integrated mm. payments background. Mm. I love it. So, you know, I think it's such an interesting story. You know, you guys starting hot sauce, which is still like super popular, of course. Um, and then, you know, now getting into working with these companies, these ISVs. So for our audience, Gary, that's not as familiar as we are with the terms. Could you give us a little bit of a high level here? What is an ISV? What is a VAR? And what do you mean when you talk about integrating payments with these companies? Yeah, absolutely. So an ISV is an independent software vendor. Uh, look at them as the actual software developers, right? Us at Hot Sauce back then, we developed software. We developed right. Hot Sauce. So uh, we were the ISV. A VAR is a value add a reseller. So those are resellers that carry a product and package it up. They sell it. They service it. Uh, they do the demo. They do the support. They implement it. They package it with hardware oftentimes. So a value add a reseller sells a software product. Uh, and so a good example might be everyone knows Aloha POS. Uh, back then, Aloha was the, the ISV um, and the resellers were Aloha dealers all over the country. Those were, would be your bars. Uh, so integrated payments, is that your last question, is, um, is basically integrating the payments into a software platform or e-commerce platform where it's built into the software. So the easiest way for me to explain that is um, if we talk about non-integrated payments, if you ever, for those of you listening, uh, you know the standalone countertop terminals, when you're running a VX520 or a PAX A80 or a standalone device, that's a non-integrated payment. Mm -hmm. Integrated payments is something that's integrated, like when you go to Home Depot, Costco, even though there's a device there, you're inserting your chip, that device is actually speaking with the software. So that's, right. that's the difference between the two. Yeah. So so let's take it to the next to the next level, so to speak. You know, why is this such an important opportunity? Uh, you know, why should agents and, and ISOs be thinking about uh, forming these kind of relationships? And and just as an add-on to that, do you think these kind of partnerships are going to become more or less important in the next five years? I kind of think you answered it in your last question, but I'd like you to just sort of elaborate a little bit if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, Patty, thanks for asking. That's a great question. So um, why it's important? Well, a software typically is the heart of a business, right? Mm -hmm. I come sure. from a restaurant background, so I'm going to use restaurants, forgive me. But um, in a restaurant world, the point of sale software is the heart of their business. Sure. It talks to the reservation system, the guest loyalty system, the gift card system. It handles the payments, um, payroll, time cards, prints tickets to the kitchen. Now these right. days there's kitchen display system. Sure. Um, so any business, not just restaurant, the software is the, the absolutely the central part or the heart of the operations of a business. Right. So having this, the, why it's important is the payments integrate to that software. And so what I see in the future, uh, I think one of the questions you asked, over the last 10 years, more and more payments, the standalone terminal is going away and right. it's going to continue to go away. Now, will it ever 100% completely go away? Probably not but it will continue to go away and payments will continue to be integrated, you know, auto mechanics, right? Right. It's one place sure. where you still see countertop terminals, right. but as these auto mechanics, uh, they have these quoting systems that quote your jobs, your repair jobs. I'm sure it'll be real soon before the payments uh, start to be integrated to their systems. Government's another great one. Government, mm -hmm. you see a lot of countertop terminals over the years. Now it's, it's built in, it's integrated. So I think sure. the future of it, uh, it will continue to be, that's why the, opportunity is um, is very important. 
uh, and they, uh, ISOs and agents should be really thinking about these type of strategic opportunities. And the reason you want to think about these strategic opportunities is you may provide a revenue share for these ISVs and VARs, right? And you may even give them the lion's share to revenue. But guess what? They're bringing you sometimes hundreds, if not thousands right. of clients who show up at your doorstep. Sure, sure. Right. Yeah, I think that's a really important point there. And I also think I like sort of how you put it as sort of it's the heart of the of, of the business. And, you know, you got to support all those other organs or systems of the business. And it always did strike me. I, I, I must admit, personally, I've wondered why it's taken so long for this to sort of catch on. I mean, James and I have spoken to a few people over the years and it just seems to me like a no-brainer, but thank you. Yeah, yeah you're welcome. Yeah, I, well, I think, Gary, you know, I've been following up on that. I mean, ultimately what you're talking about is retention, right? It's like, right. you know, the, the reason these are such big opportunities. I mean, number one, it's like a guaranteed source of leads. Once you get that relationship, you know, if you want to sell restaurant point of sale, a restaurant is going to want integrated payments, right? You know, right. So the point of sale provider is going to integrate with somebody. And then once they do, they're going to be sending you these clients. And it's, it's such a different kind of lead. You know, it's not like a lead of, Hey, I think this person might be interested. It's a lead like, Hey, set up their merchant account. Right. Like they're, right. It, it's not even a question. Like that's who we integrate with. So right. you're going to use priority IS. Like, you know, it, it's different. And then I think also it's like, once that integration happens, I mean, I, I mean, you tell me, but I mean, you've seen different sides of the business, the retention with what you're doing versus what the rest of the market's doing. It's got to be ridiculous. Absolutely. You hit, I, I'm glad you brought that point up, James. Um, and this is probably why you do what you do. You're good at it. Um, yeah, the, the retention is much lower, right? To your point, the relationship is much stronger with the right. software provider, the VAR or the ISV, than it is a regular merchant rep. If you're just a regular merchant rep. You, you're, you're selling a commodity, right? Versus you're, you're providing the heart of the system, the point of sale system for the retailer right. or the restaurant tour. So they have the better, they have a better relationship. Um, and, and because of that, they'll, they're trusted advisors, right? And the retention is much, much lower. And they control if a Heartland, or I don't know if I could say that, but different providers come <laughs> in and try to win the merchant account, the point of sale provider still has to reprogram that and they can right. choose not to reprogram that, yes. right? So the retention's lower, the revenues are higher, but typically integrated payments, the average volumes are a lot higher. Um, and they just had their, the relationship's just much better, much stronger. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, for the perception of the merchant, I mean, even if that software, even if the ISV will allow them to switch payments, I think the perception with the merchant is they're not like they're locked in. Like this account yeah. is integrated. I'm not going to cancel. And so to me, those accounts are golden and, and I'm definitely seeing, you know, a lot, a lot more of that today. So um, let's go to um, hot sauce. I want to I kind of back up for just a minute. So sure. I love this story and how you started with hot sauce. I, you know, in my opinion, Gary, I feel like the most successful businesses generally come from people experiencing something, having a pain point, And then they're like, I'll go build a business to solve my own pain point, basically. And it sounds like that's exactly what you did. So talk to me about that. When you had hot sauce, were there any pain points that you identified um, as an ISV that maybe then translated into things you wanted to fix? You mentioned reporting. Were there other things that kind of prompted you to to do the the priority IS play? Yeah, absolutely. So when we first started, we integrated with third-party middlewares to process credit cards. It was IC Verify. Um, I think oh, they're sorry. out of business. I, I think they're out of business. I haven't seen now, them in so. forever. So I think they yeah, are. Yeah. Yeah. I think they were nicknamed IC Terrify actually. Uh, <laughs> and then PC Charge, right? And, oh, and yeah. they just had issues and yes. they're, they're out of business as well. But not to mention expense. Things, yeah. There's an expense. Uh, there were a lot of issues. There was, at the, the heart of it, uh, we ended up creating our own integrations directly with TCS and Press Data. So at the heart of it, it's all about control, right? Yes. From a technology perspective, it's about control, not relying on someone's third party but also control from a customer service perspective. Um, and what I mean by that, well, some of your listeners may be able to resonate with this. At Hot Sauce back in the day, um, the merchants would call us, uh, hey, my credit cards aren't working, we look into it. And yeah, oftentimes it is the point of sale software, but sometimes it isn't. Right. So what had happened is they called their, their current provider, their current provider said, oh, it's not our problem, called a POS company. Mm-hmm. And a POS I company, we to. look into it. Yeah, exactly, it's that hot potato, um, so basically they're passing the, passing it back and forth where they're calling us. We look into it. This is obviously not on us. It's on, a, on right. the uh, credit card provider. But here they are, middle of Friday night. They just want their credit cards to work. They're calling the, uh, one provider. Right. They're calling the next provider. And they're not, they just want to be able to take a credit card. 
Right. Right. So that's, I think, the big pain point. So what we learned is if we're the provider at Hot Sauce and we're the provider and we had control into the systems and we could see everything, then unless there's some major network outage, which happens every once every couple of years where there's a major network outage, oftentimes we're able to have the tools to troubleshoot and figure that out. Yeah. So at Priority, how that translates today at Priority IS, we work with a lot of these ISVs and bars. And we have our, our methodology with our service team. We preach this in the very beginning when they come work for us is that we don't want to pass the buck, pass blame. We're going to quarterback right. or own the situation. All right. When a merchant calls in and we will pick up the phone and call our partners and we'll get on a conference call. We'll figure it out. Yeah. So we're going to we're going to basically triage the problem, yep. quarterback the issue and, and, and resolve it and um, get the merchant back up and running. I love so that was the pain. Yeah, I love it. I, yeah. it's, I, I can definitely resonate with that. I think anybody on this call that's ever sold integrated payments of any kind understands exactly what you're talking about. It is very frustrating because ultimately, you know, and even for the sales reps, it's really annoying because, you know, now the sales rep is the one that's getting the call from the merchant saying, I called customer service. They told me to call the point of sale. The point of sale told me to call customer service. What do I do? And now the sales reps having reputational damage and, and attrition as a result. Right. So I'm definitely seeing that a lot. Um, Okay, so let me switch gears one more time. I really, there's two more issues I really want to talk about. Um, they're a little bit connected, but I want to start with ISOs and agents for a second. So our audience is mostly, you know, sales reps and, and sales managers and ISO execs. So, you know, many of these are, are individuals that are like salivating as they're listening to this saying, oh man, I really wish I could develop ISV and VAR relationships, but I don't even really know how to do that. I don't know where to start. Let's say you had somebody like that that came to Priority IS and said, we want to work with you to build a, you know, um, attrition proof book as well. How would you help them and what would you do to kind of get them going to be able to start forming these really profitable relationships? Yeah, that's a great question, James. So it all starts with service, right? It's all, it's, it's what it all starts with. Um, and for us, our organization, uh, service is number one. I know a lot of companies say it, white glove level of service, personalized level of service, what we really do. So much so that our core values is that we build relationships by serving excellence and the key word there is serve. And we have five key pillars to our core values. We serve excellence by being client first. We serve excellence by being creative problem solvers. We serve excellence by being determined. We serve excellence by being a team player and by being accountable, right? So when we're talking to partners, we're looking for partners that have that same alignment in core values, right? Software partners, ISV partners, or even ISOs and agent partners. Um, so what I mean by that is they, they like they believe in building relationships in, in the long term, uh, not, not just the short term. There's some shops out there, James, um, and I'm not disparaging these shops by any means. Uh, they just don't line up with our alignments. They may have a call center of 50 people, appointment setters. The, um, someone runs those appointments, shows up, and they do what they call a one-stop close. Once the merchant signs up, they may never hear from that uh, rep again, right? Again, not disparaging them, nothing wrong with that business model. model, just a right. different model, right? Uh, just not doesn't line up with our core values. So when we're looking for partners, it's it's really looking for that same alignment and core value. So it's all about the service. I would say second, James, is about knowledge. Right? Knowledge is power. We've all heard that. Uh, I, someone told me a long time ago. Uh, you, you educate them, they'll buy from you. So you got to be super knowledgeable about whatever uh, you're looking to get into. Right? In this case, we're talking about integrated payments and technology. Well, a lot of our team members come from the point of sale. So just getting educated, understanding uh, what a PAC semi integration is, how to how to facilitate integration if you need an ISV needs to integrate to our gateway, uh, to the MX gateway, right? Um, right. We're a certified data cap pro a provider, so we know a processor, so we know all about data cap and how that works. It's just getting educated, and then uh, as you and I both know, it's difficult just to go out and knock on doors and sell traditional credit card processing. So products is a key, a key thing making sure that there's just strong product suite that you can provide a merchant value add, right. um, some, uh, a product that can help them increase sales or, or put right. more, um, bring more people through the front doors at decreased cost. So, um, you know, our three uniques, uh, James, is that um, we provide a lion's share to revenue and um, transparency, control and transparency yeah. is what we, we preach on. All right, yeah. and then a personalized level of service and being knowledgeable. So the question you asked me, you know, how do you get started? Well, those are some keys. It's got, it starts with service. Yeah. Secondly, everywhere you go, I go to my dentist, I go get my car repaired. I'm asking them, hey, what system do you use, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to understand, get, again, part of getting educated 
and part of um, understanding what opportunities are. What is that name of that system? I, I'm, I'm not very familiar with auto repair shop systems or, or chiropractic or um, dentist systems, but just understanding, finding out. And then what I do in our team is I just, we have, we use Slack. So I just Slack it to our POS Slack channel and our, our right. dev, dev team starts researching and maybe reaches out to them. Yes. So I hope that answers your question. I don't know if I answered all your questions. No, there. I love it. I love it. You know, a couple of follow-ups I'd have, you know, one of the things I love that you said is about gaining knowledge. I think, Gary, it's so interesting to me <clears throat> on the listeners on our podcast right now. It's interesting to me how what they've done is our industry has kind of, you know, started to go towards like the lowest common denominator in a lot of ways when it comes to sales. And so the idea is, you know, I've been selling merchant services. It's a simple sale. Like you mentioned, maybe the one-stop close. And what's happened is a lot of industry experienced reps have tried to double down on that. And I, like you said, there's nothing inherently wrong with that, but you need to understand that everybody else is doing that too. And so just by the nature of supply and demand, it's going to be more of an uphill battle to like go down this path of just selling credit card processing and even cash discounting, which right now we're going to talk about in a second, even that without the ISV relationship, without the software, without the value add, that can be an uphill battle. And where I think there's a lot of white space and a lot of opportunity is these agents that have been in the industry, Gary, for 15 years, they know how to read a credit card processing statement. They understand what interchange is but yet so many of them are scared to take the next step and learn what that semi-integration is and understand right. what a point of sale system needs to look like for a retail establishment. So I think, you know, the first step, as you mentioned, it's really becoming the expert on some of these things and then getting the right partnerships like with Priority IS where, you know, you, I would imagine you guys don't have a problem finding software that you can add value. You've got all these relationships with all these software companies. So I would imagine your ISOs and, and uh, agents have a pretty, pretty significant suite of software to offer, right? Yeah, I think, again, going back to knowledge, you're absolutely correct, James. When people, when an ISO and agent calls us, because we do work with some ISOs and agents, they call us, hey, have you heard of this software? Or have you dealt with this software? Right. Off Nine times out of 10, we have. We know exactly how right. to connect to it and get it up and running. Because I think you know this, James, one of the challenges as a sales uh, agent or an ISO, you go out and, and work so hard to get an MPA signed and get it approved right. through underwriting. Right. Well, now you get approved for underwriting. Now you got to figure out how to work with that software provider yes. to get it up and yes. running. Right. right. And that's a huge challenge. And, you know, yes. a lot of these software providers, they don't want to switch because they're maybe getting residuals today from their and they might. So there's it's just a challenge that we've experienced yeah. and we have expertise yeah. in. OK, so my my last question here is probably the one I should have started with because it's the one I'm so interested in. But that's OK. Everybody knows I'm all about the cash discounting. But, you know, sure. so I could not, of course, let you get off of this interview without talking about WavePay, which is your cash discount solution. So I'd love for you to give us a little bit of an overview of like, you know, WavePay, just give us the, you know, most of our audience understands cash discounting. But what I'm really interested in is tell us how that's playing in the ISV and VAR world, because there are some technology changes that have to occur and some compliance things. So tell us about WavePay a little bit and specifically maybe how it applies to ISVs and VARs and how that's going. Sure. WavePay uh, came about Again, uh, solution-based selling, I didn't talk about it earlier, but being knowledgeable of finding a customer solution. Well, yes. there was a missing solution out there for sales organizations, ISOs, and agents. So we designed and built WavePay to be a, a solution that ISOs and agents can call their own. It could be WavePay powered by James Shepard's Merchant Services, right? Sure. And so uh, WavePay is a out-of-a-box solution. It's got, uh, we ship the package out got the, uh, the terminals, uh, it's got the signage, uh, window clings, table tents, um, do's and don'ts, FAQs, but also it's technology. WavePay has uh, got an iOS and Android app, and those are really good for your uh, folks that are on a go, like plumbers, electricians, right. or maybe if you want to do like a spring music festival and set up a, a vendor and you want to start selling things at a, at a festival. So iOS, Android, phones, tablets, it's also technology for the PAX devices, the A920, A80, Android series devices, the E-series devices, sure. right? So uh, we've also got the WavePay gateway for card not present. So things like uh, virtual terminal, level two, level three processing, invoicing, recurring payments, posted payments page. Now, obviously, card not present, you don't call it cash discounting. We call it a service fee. But for those of you, I'm sure we've all bought concert tickets or sporting event tickets from StubHub or Ticketmaster, and they charge a service fee or technology right. fee is the same concept. So um, the WayPay, um, you know, we, we built it really easy. And so it's just a program we built that folks can call it their own, right? And so 
the other interesting thing is uh, some of these programs out there, they give you a lower schedule A, lower rev share split, potentially two cents higher or three basis point higher to do cash discounting. Right. But what we do for our WayPay program is we provide the same schedule A, doesn't matter if it's cash discounting or if it's traditional processing. Sure. So how it integrates to um, point of sale, WayPay itself doesn't necessarily integrate the point of sale. The package can be packaged with point of sale. Right. But but the way it works in point of sale, a lot of these point of sale systems have cash discounting built in now. It's been happening right. over the last few years. Right. Um, and I, it's really the, the cash discounting is really a function and a point of sale, how it's designed. Right. My favorite design and, and any ISVs or any ISVs are listening, feel free to reach out to me and I can help you design it. But my favorite design is when the receipt or the customer facing the play, display has the, the subtotal, the tax, the non-cash adjustment, and then the total in big font. And then right below that, maybe a little bit smaller font that has um, cash option or cash price, right? right. That's my favorite one. It, it, it's transparent to the consumer. Right. It's clear. Yeah. And, and then now when the credit, they pay with a credit card slip and the credit card slip comes up, it only has one total. It has the larger total with the non-cash adjustment. So right. there, it's, it, it, there's no questions about that. So it's yeah. really a function yeah. of how the point of sale company has designed the um, the functionality, how things flow. Right. Well, yeah. and, and I think, you know, what I, I researched some stuff about WavePay and one of the things I think is so cool about it for the ISVs and the VARs is that, you know, a lot of times, and I talk to a lot of them in consulting and a lot of times they underestimate, you know, I tell them about cash discounting and they go, oh yeah, sure. We can add a fee. Yeah. And you're like, no, 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 hold on. You know, there are compliance issues here. There are customer experience concerns there. You know, is it compliant in, you know, is it compliant in, uh, you know, New York where they have certain laws about has to be cash versus credit price, you know, and all that. So I think what's interesting with WavePay is like you said, it's like a cash discounting box, you know, in a box. And so not only is that for like ISOs and, and uh, you know, agents, but also I think these ISVs, especially in, in the bars, it really even more, they need that. Like they need somebody to say, we, let me show you how to set this up and they can brand it for their software or their VAR or whatever. So I think that that's cool. I mean, are they, as you're dealing with these ISVs and VARs, I mean, are they listening and are they creating what you would consider compliant solutions using the information you're giving them? Like, is that, are you having success with it? Yeah, you know all about compliance. I think recently you did a write-up on taxes and cash discounting. Yes. And yes, um, they are, they are. I think, look, there's really two camps, James. There's there's the camp that are really doing, folks that are doing really well and, and just doing really well selling cash discounting. Yes. And there's the another camp that's just not too sure. And the reason they're right. not too sure is because they, they think it's bad for the consumer or, or right. you know, this this merchant does yes. a lot of repeat customer. And that's that's really not true. That, that's a false yes. um, misconception, if you will. Right. Um, the key to this program is really training. And that's a piece I haven't talked about WayPay yet, is making sure that the training, the, the staff, the, employee the merchant, training. You're right. exactly, is absolutely key. James, if you came to my restaurant and you had a meal and you got your ticket and you had a non-cash adjustment, you say, hey, Gary, what is this non-cash adjustment? And my answer to you is, oh, that's just our new fee we're charging. You pay with credit cards. How does that make you feel as a consumer? Right, exactly. Now, right. now, you, now you want to leave. <laughs> right. Versus, hey, James, thanks for asking. This is our new cash discount program. Uh, in recent years, our cost of doing business has been going up, especially during COVID the last 12 months. Our food costs, our menu costs, uh, linen services, even the cost to accept credit cards. We were going to increase our menu prices across the board, um, just like some of our competitors have, but we didn't think that was fair. We didn't want to do that. So instead, we decided to provide a cash discount program and, and uh, offer our clients an opportunity to save money with cash. As you can tell, that second message is much more soft, more pleasing right. to the ear, and right. better received. So it's all about the training, super important. Yeah. Um, the other thing, James, I would also say is there's a great opportunity right now. I think I've been talking to ISVs and VARs and ISOs and agents. We probably do about 10 plus discovery calls a week. And I tell you, yes, cash discounting has been around for a couple of years. Yes, it's been really hot the last 12 months, but especially the last three to six months. Yes. Every call, that's all we're talking about. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a great opportunity right now where it took an agent or ISO years to build a 10, 20, $30,000 a month residual income. Right. Now it can be done in maybe 12 months because yeah. you can make 10x the opportunity right now. So it's really a yeah. great opportunity. It really is. You know, it's funny you say that. I had several, you know, I generally one day a week in my schedule, I pack it out. And this is that day. And so I had a lot of back-to-back -back calls with agents, you know. 
And, you know, even just today, it's like every week I'm noticing more and more of a momentum shift where, you know, even geographies like in California, you know, California has been really resistant to cash discounting. Now, I've never tried to sell there myself personally, so I'm not sure if it was if it's the geography or just people don't want to sell it. But, you know, just I was talking to two agents today from California. Both of them said every merchant I'm going into now, they're asking me about cash discount surcharge. And I'm like, wow, really? Like in, in the L.A. area, like, wow. OK, so I think it's just interesting. I think it's gaining some momentum and steam. And I think what you're doing is really important because you're trying to provide this, you know, it's not just about the cash discount. It's about the employee training. It's about the, you know, education as we've talked about. Right. So I think that's really important. Well, Gary, I would love to ask you five or six more questions about cash discounting, but we better not do that today. Um, but I'm sure many of our listeners are going to want to learn more about it. They're going to want to talk about partnering to uh, bring ISVs and VARs on board and also about WavePay. So where would you send them to learn more? Yeah. So I would, uh, you can go to our website at prioritys.com, uh, prioritys.com. Um, and there is a link there that says wave pay cash discount. We also have a wave pay website, W A I V E uh, pay.com. But, um, if to learn more, you can call, uh, any of our, uh, call, give us a call at one 515 8472 and hit option one, or just go to our website. Uh, that that's a great opportunity. I think you're right, James. This is the, this is the opportunity. I'm telling folks now, if you don't educate your merchants or your sales team about wave pay, the competitors are. And to your Absolutely. point, your California example earlier yeah. is a perfect example. 100%. Gary, thank you so much for taking the time today. I love the insights. I'm sure our audience did as well, and I really appreciate it. Thanks, James. I appreciate it. Have a good one. So Patty had a, a super interesting call this week with uh, Valor Paytech. Uh-huh. So we were setting up a big event we're going to be doing. Uh, we'll send it out to all of our uh, email subscribers, but we're doing a big demo event so people can actually just get on a live event and see oh, a demo nice. of Valor Paytech. Right. And one of the things we were talking about that was interesting is that they actually sold out of terminals. Wow. Recently. So, um, you know, our, our podcast, of course, together with all the other things that they're doing to promote, um, they, they literally have sold out of their terminals. That, that speaks very highly. Yeah, it does. And so was, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, obviously, they're getting a lot more in and they have a new order, a big bulk order coming in. But sure, um, just, sure. But. You know, it was super interesting to me talking to them because they said, you know, literally all the terminals they had coming in on the next order were, were already sold out um, to their existing client base. Um, and so it's just amazing to me to see a company where Valor Paytech, when we when you and I first started talking to them, I mean, uh -huh. they really were just like early, early, early stage launch. A, a blip, a blip on the radar yes. screen. Yes. Now yes. they are really garnering some attention. And so if you're still with one of these old legacy systems, and as far as your standalone terminals are concerned, and they're not integrated, they're not, you know, they don't have all the, the Omni platform stuff. I don't know what you're waiting for at this point. I mean, most of the largest companies in the industry now are starting to notice they're getting, you know, demos done. They're learning more about it. Um, and so I would say if you're selling standalone terminals, especially if you're selling cash discounting and using some kind of standalone terminal or even a gateway solution, but you're trying to do cash discounting, you really need to go to ccsalespro.com slash Valor, V-A-L-O-R and check it out. Yeah, check it out. ccsalespro.com slash Valor, V-A-L-O-R. This is Questions from the Field, brought to you by ccsalespro.com, the leader in merchant sales training and technology. If you're an individual merchant sales professional, visit ccsalespro.com forward slash training to get a free 14-day trial of our all-access pass. If you manage a team of merchant sales professionals, visit ccsalespro.com forward slash ISO to learn how we can help you grow. And now, here is Questions from the Field, with James Shepard. So Patty, um, as usual, I'm working on a new training course. It seems like I'm always- Oh, I'm course. so surprised. What a shocker. <laughs> uh, I was talking last uh, last couple of weeks, I've been taking some excerpts out of Merchant Sales Mastery, which is right. this new, really, really big extensive training program that is now pretty much done. Now it's just a matter of, uh, you know, a lot of the video editing, all that kind of stuff to, to publish it. Right. But hopefully you'll, you know, our audience will hear more about that in a month or two. But um, then in the meantime, I'm working on a new one that I'm going to be putting out. Actually, pro this actually might even be out by the time this podcast episode goes live. Now I think about it, I'm sure it will. Uh -huh. uh, but it's a new course called How to Sell Software to SMBs. Oh, uh, okay. Um, and so, you know, this is like the number one question, especially last year that I've gotten from mostly the ISO execs, which is how do we get our agents to sell software? software. 
you right. know, whether that's point of sale software, you know, gateway software, whatever it is, billing software. Right. And, you know, one of the key takeaways and I, what, what the way I approached this was I kind of did some, some masterminding with a lot of successful salespeople in the industry that have made this transition. Uh-huh. And, and there are a lot of them. There are a lot of them. And they have yeah. done very, very well for themselves. I think it's yeah. interesting because I think the cash discounting reps have kind of gotten this like uh, elevated mm-hmm. you know, idea, and, and which is great. I mean, I'm really happy for them. I know a lot of them that have made 20, 30, 40,000 a month residuals. Right. Um, but there are other reps that are making just as much, if not more. And it's actually a lot more secure, to be honest with you, because mm-hmm. they're all these point of sale deals. They've done a lot of cash discounting with it, but they're selling point of sale. And so, I had this one big takeaway from these conversations and from creating this training that I wanted to share with our audience today. And that is this, it is roughly, you know, I had this idea in my mind of like, why, why can't we get these agents to sell software? I mean, really, you know what? I mean, we have all these thousands of agents that listen to our podcast every week. Why aren't you listening right now? Why aren't you selling software? I mean, really, you know? Right. And, and the reason I I've come to realize is that the reason is because you sell payment processing. Right. And that's the reason. So it's because you're selling a service, not a product. No, because you're selling something different. It's the same reason. Uh, just because it's different. I see what you're it's saying. It's the same yeah. reason that a car salesman is not doing that's, a good job of selling houses as a realtor. Right. Or insurance. <laughs> right. It, because it's a car salesman. Right. And so it sounds so simple. But what's happening in our industry is all of these executives and even the agents I talk to, the thing they're trying to figure out is, how do I how do I sell software while simultaneously continuing to do exactly what I've been doing all along? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the answer is you don't. Right. When you try to do that, you will fail. It just doesn't right. work. Yeah. And so the what is the solution? Well, this is where it really was interesting to me. So then I started, you know, it's like as I was understanding this, I'm like, well, wait a second. Then what does that mean? Because good night, I got to stop selling credit card processing in order to sell software. Well, well how am I going to do that? I, I, you know, this is more my income. So how do I help people transition? And what I realized is selling software has become way too generalized. I don't know how to teach you to sell software. I can teach you how to sell appointment scheduling to hair salons. Mm-hmm. I could teach you to sell, you know, delivery options to pizza shops, mm-hmm. but I don't know how to teach you to sell software because that could mean anything, right? Sure. And so what I found is in our industry, we have this misconception where we've come to equate selling credit card processing. It's like, that should be, that's about the same as selling software. They're, they're about the same in terms of complexity and that's totally incorrect. Selling credit card processing is just about as difficult as selling one type of software with a specific feature focus. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Those two things are about the same. So a salesperson would say, James, I want to transition to selling software. What do I do? Here's my answer to you. Okay. Continue spending half your day selling credit card processing or, you know, some portion of your day selling credit card processing. Recognize that selling credit card processing is different than selling software. So you're probably not going to sell any software during that period of time. You can try, but the main thing is sell the credit card processing. Like that's what you're trying to sell, sell that. Then you need to dedicate a portion of your schedule, at least 20, 30% of your time, depending on how much you want to dedicate to figure out how to sell one type of software to one vertical for one purpose. Mm -hmm. Okay. And if you do this, then you can make the transition. So what will happen is this, you, you know, you say, well, James, I am so good at selling, you know, cash discounting with a $59 a month terminal rental. I can go into a one call close on that. I'm so good at it. You know, I don't want to sell software because it's way too complicated. Well, here's the truth. Actually, if you partner with the right software company and, and uh, you know, this training, I'll do a little plug in this training. I'm, I'm sponsoring by Zusa, which I think is an amazing company. They do the installation for you and all of that, which I think is great. So, if that's what you're going to do, you know, you're going to have a good company behind you. You can absolutely get to a point where you can be just as good at selling, again, appointment setting software for hair salons. So, you know, use this as an example here. They have a scheduling software, right? You can go mm-hmm, in and sell mm-hmm. hair salons on the idea of putting this point of sale system in place. Now, here's what's interesting though. Just like there were all these little quirks when you started selling cash discounting, objections you hadn't thought of rebuttals that you had to design, you know, um, you know, the approach you're going to use, the value proposition, who you're targeting, right? Like all of those little idiosyncrasies come into play when we're selling software, just like when we're selling credit card processing. 
So you have to take a percentage of your schedule to dedicate. And the way to make this transition is very simple because everybody in the industry already knows if you can sell software and payment processing integrated, you win. Right. So how do we make the transition? And the way to do it is dedicate a certain amount of your schedule so that whenever you go to a hair salon, you are the uh, you know, indisputable expert on selling hair salon software. Okay. Right. It might take you six months to get good at that, literally, you know, and that's okay. Understand you're not going to do amazing the first week or two or three. It's going to take you a little while, just like it did mm -hmm. with credit card processing when you started. But then once you feel like, okay, I've conquered that. So I'm spending 20% of my time on hair salons, 80% on everybody else selling regular credit card processing. Now take another 20, 30% of your time and now go after somebody else with a similar software play, but it's slightly different. Right, and right, right. Take another vertical. When you're done with that in a year, then you do another 20, 30%. Next thing you know, you're up you're there years down the road and you've got four or five verticals that you specialize in. You're getting referrals. You're targeting them with advertising. You have appointment schedulers calling for you. You are a machine and you're doing fantastic and everything is integrated because you got good at selling, not software, but you got good at selling one type of software to one vertical with one feature focus and you do those one at a time, get good at them. But the most important takeaway, Patty, from the training and the conversations I had was if you want yourself or your sales team to make the shift, um, it is never going to happen if you say, keep selling credit card processing the way you are. Let's see if we can figure out how to add software to that. That's like saying, right. that right. you know, this, this is exactly what that is. Think about this for a second. You, you say, well, the payments are integrated. That's like me saying to a car salesman, when you're selling the car, try to also sell them a house because the car is going to go in the garage. Go in the garage. <laughs> and it's right. like, what? No, right. right. That's never going to happen. Now, can I become, can I be a realtor in the evening and show people houses and sell cars during the day? Sure. Absolutely. Right. Sure. Is there right. going to be some crossover? Am I going to meet somebody that I sell a house to that's that wants a new car, wants a car or vice versa? Yes. But is that where the bulk of the, the production is going to come from? No, it's not. The bulk of the production is going to come from my my intense focus on my ability, my skill, my prospecting of selling cars and then doing the same thing when I'm selling houses, but really not mixing the two up very much. Well, what about this? And I mean, and, and maybe you're inferring this and I'm missing it out, missing out on it. But, it, you know, obviously there's a lot of agents out there that specialize in selling card processing to verticals. Yes. So are those the verticals that you first go after? Absolutely. Yes, of yeah. course. You know, it's like if you have any kind of, you know, and, and like I said, even like after you've gotten good at one, uh, you know, one type of software focus, you know, don't don't go to like some totally different thing. Try to see is there an adjacent industry. Right, right. Or so maybe like, you're uh, even maybe manicurist next to salon. Exactly. And... Maybe you're using the same software, but slightly different features. Mm -hmm, so in the mm -hmm. case of Zusa, they have all the different features, things that you can, you know, flip on and off. Right, so sure. Just using some other, you know, part of it, but it's a different value proposition, but it's the same software. So that's ideal. Um, mm -hmm. So that eventually you just become this incredible expert. But I, but I think the one thing that I think confuses our industry about software sales is that they're so, they, they love this idea of payment processing where it's like anybody needs to accept payments. And so you just sell everybody that you see. Right. And that's been such a nice thing for us. Sure. That, that we've really struggled to, whether it's as an individual rep or as, as you're talking to our sales teams, we are not good at targeting at all. We don't even know what that means. Mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know, targeting to us is like when you walk down the street, don't go to Walmart. That's your targeting. You know, it's like, right, right. You got to go, go to for yeah. software. Or, or just the fact that you walk down the street and hit every store, right? Exactly. I mean, yes. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. so I think, I think, you know, if you want to make the transition and, you know, you really want to go for it, that's great. But if you want to keep production up, you just have to put a certain percentage of your time. And it could literally, literally even be one day a week. A lot of reps I'm talking to are doing that, where when they started, they're like, you know, Tuesday was software day for me. Every uh -huh. Tuesday, the only thing I did was I went to hair salons or I went to pizza shops or whatever. And I pitched this particular point of sale solution and this feature. And I learned how to sell it that way. And then Monday, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I was just selling credit card processing, walking down the street like I always did. And I, I was still able to get my sales in. And, you know, but I was starting to learn the, the software as I got better at it. Then, you know, Tuesday was my prospecting day for pizza shops. Wednesday became my prospecting day for other quick service restaurants, you know, mm -hmm. and so, mm -hmm. um, so you kind of get the idea there. Yeah, that's, that's really good advice, James. Thanks.
This is the Insider's Report with Patty Murphy, brought to you by The Green Sheet. For nearly 40 years, The Green Sheet has been the go-to source for news, analysis, and educational tools that empower and connect payments professionals. If you're not reading The Green Sheet already, check it out on the web today at www.greensheet.com. So, you know, everybody, QR codes been around for a while. You know, we see them almost everywhere. I, I could I saw them on my Pepsi can the other day. Yeah. Um, uh, I think it's looking like uh, QR codes are the next big wave at the point of sale. Yeah. Um, now, you'll recall, James, I'm sure you recall our interview with uh, John Delish yes. a few weeks back. Just I just yeah. talked to John like an hour ago. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, they're using it for menus as well as, you know, access, yes. menu access and payments. Right. It's funny. I was talking to another friend just uh, the other day. She'd gone to her first uh, sports event since COVID. She went sure. to a Nats right. game uh-huh. and she's like, wow, Merv, you wouldn't believe it. And I, I, I had to pull up a QR code to look at the menu. And then I used that code to get into, you know, to pay yep. for my stuff. And, yep. you know, so it's it's happening all over the place. There was well, a very, know, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I think it's so interesting you're, you're bringing this topic up because Ultimately, I think this goes to like a larger uh, misconception people have about technology, which is like when you just said QR codes are the next big wave, I guarantee you that like two thirds of our listeners are like, what are you talking about, Patty? QR codes have been around forever. That's not the next wave. The next wave is going to be Bluetooth beacons, right? Yeah. Well, no, that's going to be the next wave in like five years or six Mm -hmm. years because it takes a long time for these technologies, especially when you're dealing with small business owners. Right. It takes a long time for these technologies to catch on to the point where people are like, everybody is comfortable with QR codes. Consumers are comfortable with them. Business owners are comfortable right. with them. Now you see the wave of QR codes and it ta- it's like seven years in the making. It was. It, technology works. Right. I mean, I remember, you know, seven, eight years ago, people telling me, oh, we have this great QR codes thing, you know, right. or wasn't that the same with Starbucks, I believe, you know? Right. Um, right. Yeah. But it wasn't trickling down. And that's what I mean by the wave, right. you know, it's sort of like a pipeline, I guess, yes. is better than a wave. Okay. Okay. I, I think I, I agree with you. I think it will be a wave. And I think it's just that, you know, it took a long time to get to the point where it could be a wave. And I think now the adoption rate is at a point where people are comfortable with it. And now mm-hmm. we're seeing a lot of the the bigger companies, like you mentioned some, you know, we're seeing a lot of these bigger companies going after the, the QR codes now. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, in fact, I, I just wrote a piece for the Green Sheet recently um, about how PaySafe is, has a solution that uses QR codes to support online pay with cash applications Mm, so and you know and i I was talking to somebody about this and and noted that several years ago people tried to do these pay pay by cash online but the technology you know that it was too clunky you had a you know get a print out a voucher and take it to the 7-eleven or whatever and you know exchange cash this is a little bit it's a it's 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 a little smoother because you get a qr code sent to your text to your mobile device right you take that to the retail location you know pay the money pick up your stuff and they you know PaySafe is working with about seventy thousand retail locations to do this Mm. it's a big play for the underserved or unbanked right yes for sure uh walgreens family dollar cvs Mm. you know Those are the sure. companies they're doing it with. Okay. Um, and then most recently, I saw this news that came out of Fiserv, which really piqued my interest. They're going to support uh, QR codes uh, through the PayPal and Venmo mobile apps uh, with oh, wow. Clo- for Clover POS devices. Sure. Okay. Now, among the first venues up and running with this new capability, um, which uses Fiserv's bypass POS software uh, with Clover devices is uh, the Phoenix Suns Arena, which kind of oh, wow. goes to my friend who was at the baseball game. You know, sure, it's like sure. touchless is here. Right. right. And, huh. you know, I think, you know, this whole this whole migration to touchless payments is not a is not a stopgap kind of thing. I, you know, I think we've talked about this before as people get, you know, the, the pandemic triggered behavioral changes and touchless payments were one of those changes and it's not going to go back and once right. people realize how right. simple and easy it yes. is yes you know and i think this the arrangement between uh fiserv and paypal speaks to that mm-hmm. uh and it also creates a potentially expansive footprint for uh qr based uh mobile wallet payments mm-hmm. um and i also think it 
And I also, there's an interesting aside here in my mind that it points to a shift in attitude towards disruptors like PayPal. Yeah. You know, the mainstreaming of it, so to speak. Uh, you know, while big retailers like Home Depot have been accepting PayPal for, for a few years now, right. there's really not been a way for smaller merchants to do this. Right. Um, now, if you're a smaller merchant with a, with a, with a Clover device, you have a path to mobile, pilot, uh, mobile wallet payments without right. costly and complicated integrations. Wow. Yeah. Super interesting. I, I think, I think it's, uh, you know, it's, it's neat to see the innovations that, you know, get started and, you know, and the early adopter phase and all of that is fun to watch. But to me, where the money is made is when you start seeing the big companies make big yes. moves, you know, pay safe or whoever, and, you know, working with 30,000 or, you know, whatever says 70,000 retail locations, you know, when you start to see those kind of moves, then that's when you kind of wait a second, you kind of pay attention and say, right. You know, what is that going to do to consumer behavior mm-hmm. when Walgreens and CVS all over the country are in, you know, are, are promoting the idea of paying with a QR code mobile wallet, right. that's going to change consumer behavior. And that's going to trickle down to ISOs and agents that are pitching you know, mainstream merchants on how they can use that same technology. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Great stuff, Patty. Thanks, James. This episode of the Merchant Sales Podcast was brought to you by Valor Paytech, the technology company that is revolutionizing cash discounting and surcharging with innovative features like dual mid support, waive the fee options, and even adding non-cash adjustment charges to tips. Now, all of this is made possible by a variety of technology devices and solutions such as gateways, tabletop point of sale devices, and features like SMS text messaging and e-invoicing, all with cash discounting in mind. Valor Paytech, bold ideas, smart execution. Make sure you head over to ccsalespro.com slash valor, V-A-L-O-R, ccsalespro.com slash Valor, V-A-L-O-R. Schedule your free demo today and watch videos and learn more about this amazing technology solution. Thank you for listening to the Merchant Sales Podcast. Whether you are an industry veteran, processing executive, or just trying to learn about the payment space, we appreciate your time. The Merchant Sales Podcast is a joint production of greensheet.com and ccsalespro.com. And we hope you will tune in next week for more information and tips on building your merchant services business.